Today's reading of the Holy Gospel according to the witness of St. Luke, the 15th chapter, our text begins at the first verse. Now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to Jesus. And the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling and saying, This fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. Which one of you, having a hundred sheep and losing one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? When he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders and rejoices. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Or what woman, having 10 silver coins, if she loses one of them, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? When she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I found the coin that I'd lost. Just so I tell you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Brothers and sisters, this is the gospel of our Lord. Amen. Dear friends in Christ, grace to you and peace from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. I'm not the only one I know who has trouble filling out the forms when it says hometown, because like many of you, I grew up in a military family. I'm an army brat. I know we've got Air Force brats, Navy brats, Marine brats in this congregation. Uh, some of you know this, but by my 18th birthday, I'd already uh, lived at my 21st address. So hometown, well, it's Albuquerque, thank you very much. I've been here 21 years. Uh, many of you know that about me. Uh, my dad was in the army, and we moved a lot. During second grade, I attended three different elementary schools. Long road trips, and in the beginning, in cars that were not air-conditioned and had no seatbelts. Long road trips stand out in my memory as a child, going from one duty station to the next. And this morning at 8 o'clock, a gentleman said, I'll give you 20 bucks to get that haircut again. And I said, make it $50,000 for the organ fund and you're on. (laughs) And $50,000 for my retirement fund too. Out of all those road trips, I remember when my middle brother Shannon uh, didn't load up. (laughs) We had fueled the Bonneville Pontiac and we're moving down the road. My folks in the front seat, my youngest brother Mark in the back, and then we realized Shannon is AWOL. And so off the interstate and back to the gas station, it was just minutes, really. Uh, We found Shannon, and he was fine. He didn't even know he'd been left behind. He was looking at all the various candies and the souvenirs and all the magazines they used to have on the racks. Um, He wasn't worried, but I know that my folks were. And and I was comforted in that moment to know that, well, if, if I ever didn't get in the car on time, or if I was ever lost, you know, they'd they'd turn around and come searching for me, too. Jesus used uh, stories in our reading this morning 
that the Bible calls parables. To talk about the joy in heaven when one lost soul, just one lost soul, is found and, and brought home. And you heard it in the reading, the occasion for these stories happened to be um, when he was receiving, yet again, lots of criticism uh, from the religious authorities. Uh, criticism from the uh, religious powers that be. The scribes and the Pharisees didn't like this Jesus. He's hanging out with the despised, despicable, corrupt tax collectors. And if he was a true rabbi, as people call him, he would know not to get near those unclean sinners. He would walk away from them. Instead, he talks with them and even eats with them. So it's a teachable moment for the righteous religious leaders. Christ uses two stories to teach them about the lost. A lost sheep and a lost coin. In that first parable, our Lord reminds us that a good shepherd will leave behind 99 who are safe and sound to go after the one that's in peril. My friends who are in business from high school and college have told me through the years at reunions and phone conversations and when we talk about life and the challenges we're facing in our respective vocations that you know a mere 1% rate of loss when it comes to shoplifting, overhead, and uh, old inventory would be awesome. <laughs> the world, it seems, will take uh, 99% of the sheep that are safe and sound and count that one sheep that's lost as an acceptable loss. 1% in business is even a highly desirable rate of attrition. Have you ever heard of the Hayes Group? Uh, they monitor what's going on in the retail sector of our economy, and they report that retailers in our nation have an average retention rate year to year of only 33% when it comes to their employees. Think about this, and some of you don't have to think about it, you live it. Most retailers lose 67% of their workforce in a given 12-month period. How about our schools? District superintendents, high school principals would just be ecstatic if they had a 99% rate of graduation for high school students. Losing that 1% would be no problem. It would be stellar. J.D. Power and Associates reports that the very best automobile insurance companies in these United States can only achieve a 90% customer retention rate. Losing 10% of your insurance customers to a different company ain't no big deal. In fact, it puts you at the head of the pack. The woman Jesus describes, hey, she's still got 90% of her assets. That would be great in the business world. Why spend so much energy and fret over just 10%? You've heard it before. I have too. Maybe you've even said it. I can't save everyone. You know, a person can't save the whole world. There's only so much uh, one individual person can do. And maybe there's some truth to that. But here's the truth. Better than that, Jesus doesn't operate with such an attitude. Uh, his priorities, they're different than the world's. And they're different than those of the self-righteous religious elite who put him down. 
The king of heaven spent time with sinners and tax collectors because they needed him, even if they didn't know it. The unclean, the undesirable, the marginalized, the broken, the sinner was worth his time and all his trouble. They were lost, and Jesus always seeks the lost. And we can rejoice that Christ doesn't wonder if the lost are worth it. For your Savior and mine does not think it too costly to give his all, his very life, to save our souls. You see, as Jesus is describing the shepherd to the Pharisees, he's really talking about himself, isn't he? He's the good shepherd. And not only does he seek the lost, but he goes on to die for the lost on a lonely cross that they might be brought safely home and live. That's what Jesus did for you on that lonely hill. The Pharisees rejected him, the scribes derided him, but Jesus was determined to fulfill his mission even when his closest disciples betrayed him. He was sent to find the lost and save them from certain death. And that's the death that our sins bring upon us. And I got more good news for you this morning. Jesus does not submit an invoice to sinners like you and me for all of his time, trouble, and suffering. Because that would be an impossible bill to pay. All the coin, silver or gold in the world, cannot repay the Lord for what he's done for us. He paid the price with his innocent suffering and precious blood because we can't pay that price. It's too much. He seeks lost people because they cannot find their way back home. Years ago, I learned something about sheep that they most often get lost because they slowly nibble their way one blade of grass at a time away from the others. It's not that a lone sheep just takes off running, lickety-split away from the flock. It simply nibbles its way from the others, far from the safety and the care of the shepherd. Now, we don't want to be guilty of anthropomorphism here. You know, I don't want you to think like a sheep. But, you know, one little bite probably doesn't seem, you know, risky or problematic. It's actually delicious. So it keeps nibbling away until it's too late. And then that sheep is lost, alone, and in danger. I think sometimes we're like those lost sheep. It's not that we run away from God in a full sprint all at once. But over time, some of us find that our habits, our choices, the way we're living life from day to day has distanced us from the God who loves us. And the world says, a little bit of this won't hurt you tiny taste of that won't do any harm. Psst, it's only wrong if you get caught. Go ahead. Enjoy it. Enjoy yourself. Everyone else is. So perhaps you now find yourself far from where 
you used to be and far from where you want to be. Maybe you know from life experience what it is to be in that lonely, lost place and you have come home to the Father who loves you. And if you're lost right now, Jesus wants you to come home. He left the beauty and the splendor of heaven to take a cross upon his shoulders to prove to you how much he loves you and to lead you back to where you belong. And that woman in the second parable with the lost coin, uh, we don't know that Jesus had this in mind as he told the story, but would you agree that if she was a bit more careful with her money, if she wasn't so careless, she would have had all ten of those coins, not just nine of them? Can you agree to that? And if you can agree to that, then for some of you, perhaps it was the carelessness of others that led you away from God. Perhaps the people in your life who should have shepherded you and cared for you and protected you failed. Maybe those who should have been watching out for you neglected you instead. I know that some of you feel discarded and you feel lost. Jesus thinks you're worthy, completely worthy of his love, completely worthy of his life, and completely worthy of his lonely death. When I was a much younger pastor, I had so many couples coming to uh, seek counseling and they would say, you know, life is just so busy. I'm working my job. My spouse is working his or her job. The kids are doing so many activities. We just have grown so far apart. You know, this is not biblical. It's just, you know, conventional worldly advice. I'd say, you know, to people sometimes old enough to be my parents, well, have you considered date night? I think you should have a date night. Just one night, get a sitter and just go out and fall back in love again. Have a date night. Oh, pastor, you're so wise. And then it was uh, about four or five years after becoming your pastor that my wife told me, I better start practicing what I preach and teach, <laughs> that we, we need a date night. And so we found a place um, right here in Albuquerque that had live music, live local talent, blues music, really good blues musicians. Now, before you go asking me where that place is, because you like the blues too, it burned down. And there was all kinds of suspicious, you know, rumors about how it burned down by arson, by enemies of the owner. Um, it was not a five-star uh, facility or venue, let me tell you that. But the music rocked. It was good blues. And so Kirsten and I started having date night, and we went there the same night, week after week. And we always sat in the back right because it really seemed a lot safer to sit in the back right because the other people who sat in the rest of the building, they were scary. And then after all these weeks, you know, the, the same woman who was always working that same night um, wanted to know more about us, and we had a conversation, and, you know, I didn't tell her I was a pastor. I just invited her to come and worship at Faith Lutheran. I said, it's a really good church, because I noticed that she was wearing a, a gold cross on a necklace outside of her blouse every time I saw her. You know, and she said, oh my goodness, I haven't been in church since I was a little girl. And if somebody like me came into your church, that roof would just come crashing down. And I said, well, a sinner like me and a sinner like Kirsten, we go there every Sunday and 
The roof is still standing. I bet you God can handle everything you've ever done. And she wound up showing up on Sunday. And it was really a sweet moment when she came in and took her seat. And I watched her look like that, that <laughs> you're the pastor? <laughs> yeah, and I'm a sinner, saved by God's grace. And she worshiped with us, brothers and sisters, for about four or five months. And then she decided uh, she needed some changes in her life and uh, helped her get a different job. And she's now living in Colorado. Um, she said she'd felt lost and alone and forsaken. But God does marvelous things when people like you invite other people into his house for worship. I mean, she was blessed by simply being here in the presence of other forgiven sheep <laughs> that belong to the same flock. If it requires perfect people to keep church roofs in place, I'm telling you, every church building around the world would already be flat as a pancake, wouldn't it? Those smug religious leaders grumbled when Jesus sought out lost souls. But angels in heaven, in the presence of God, rejoice when even one broken, lost sinner repents and comes home. So let the world grumble. Let the heavens celebrate. Our mission to lead people to Christ is to please God, uh, not the world. We don't operate with the same ledger sheet. We, we don't have acceptable percentages of losses. We want to lead every person we can to Christ until he comes again in glory. If you are lost in a world of sin, if you feel discarded, worthless, remember, Jesus was sent on a mission for you. Jesus Christ died for you, and Jesus Christ loves you with a perfect love. And though you may have turned away from him, and though you may have nibbled your way into a situation in which you know you need to change and turn around, though you may have turned your back on the Lord, Christ will never, ever turn his back on you. He is the shepherd of your soul. He's the good shepherd. And he will never abandon you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.